on the character, the characters of Christmas. This is a dangerous thing for a, um, for a teacher, a preacher, or a presenter to do, but what was the character last Sunday of Christmas that we looked at? The Father, all right. In the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son. And often, the whole Christmas account, we overlook the reality of the Father. This is His doing. He initiated it. God so loved the world. God the Father so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And I trust that during this season, you will take time to thank God the Father for the gift of His Son and the reality of that in our lives. And um, 1 Corinthians, it says that thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. And so remember the Father this Christmas. Now we're moving into more of what we think of as the characters involved in the Christmas story. And, and today we want to look specifically at Mary and Joseph. You know, one of the, one of the, I don't know, dangers is the right word, but one of the pitfalls that, that we fall into is yeah, we know the Christmas story, you know. Um, uh, turn to Matthew 1. We read the Christmas story. We know it. Blah, 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 blah. Um, and and that's, that's how it can become to us, that we become so familiar with it that we, we don't take the time to, to think about the reality of it. Rather, this morning than reading it, we're going to kind of encapsulate some of the story and then look specifically at the faith of Mary and the faith of Joseph. But you may recall that Mary and Joseph and the Jewish nation that they lived in at the time of their life was under Roman control the Jewish nation, there was barely an, an ember still smoldering of what the promise God made to King David thousands of years earlier. And 400 years there had been silence from God. The Jews were waiting their redemption, waiting their Messiah. Um, it was the one promise that the Jews were clinging to, and even in the midst of their darkness that it looked like there was no hope of this being fulfilled at all, they still clung to that. Joseph and Mary lived 70 miles north of Jerusalem in the picturesque town of Nazareth, They both were descendants of David from the tribe of Judah. Joseph, as you know, 
was a carpenter, and yet, even in his life, he was a direct heir to a Jewish throne and a Jewish kingdom that had lain in ashes for 580 years. After 400 years of silence from God, God broke the silence when he dispatched his angel Gabriel to an elderly Jewish priest named Zacharias. You recall Gabriel had previously appeared twice to Daniel in Daniel chapter 8 in the days of captivity. Now Gabriel comes to Zacharias and said that his aged, barren wife Elizabeth would bear a son and they were to name him John in fulfillment of Malachi's prophecy. And he was to come and make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Then, six months into Elizabeth's pregnancy... God again dispatched Gabriel with a message, this time to Mary, a virgin betrothed to Joseph. And we'll mention a little more about the betrothal process. According to Jewish custom, Mary was at the most probably 15 years old, and Joseph probably 18. That is according to Jewish custom. She was a maiden of profound humility and faith, as we'll look at here this morning. But Gabriel told Mary that she would conceive a son whom she was told to name in English, Jesus, Yeshua in Hebrew, And he shall be called the Son of the Highest, Gabriel said. And the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. That was the message that Gabriel gave to Mary. So Mary knew that her son was the anointed one. The doctrine of the virgin birth was not a new doctrine to um, the Jews at that day. They'd known. Isaiah had prophesied that. But this news came to Mary during the, we mentioned, betrothal period. According to Jewish customs and marriages at that time, Mary and Joseph's, probably their parents, arranged the match with Joseph providing a dowry to secure her hand in marriage. And the engaged couple would enter into a approximately a 12-month period of betrothal. This time was considered as sacred as marriage. In fact, only a formal divorce could dissolve this after they'd come to this agreement. But the 
prospective groom or betrothed to Mary, they were considered married, would then go and prepare a place. And um, at an unannounced time, he would come back to receive his bride-to-be. In this case, Joseph was committed to Mary in marriage, and uh, they parted. And it was during this time that the angel Gabriel appeared unto Mary, and... um, This, in humanly speaking, direct violation of the contract, so to speak, the covenant that Mary and Joseph had made. Um, You can imagine, try to imagine, not just reading the Christmas story, try to imagine a young man and a young woman committed to each other, viewed as married, but hadn't consummated the marriage physically yet, and then put yourself in their position. Mary is now with child. I mean, talk about your world getting turned upside down. Mary's world turned completely upside. We think, oh, it's a wonderful thing. She's going to bear the Messiah. Well, she's living among people that know what's going on, and here she is expecting this is punishable. Fornication at this time was punishable by death. Put yourself for a moment, you men, in Joseph's position. You've promised your heart and your love to Mary, and she tells you the news that she's with child. That would be devastating. And then says that this is the Messiah. Well, Seriously, can you believe a word she's saying at this point? I mean, it's easy for us to just read this and and we know the story, but to to put yourself in their places. I mean, you can imagine how the gossip lines got going in those days. And the reality that Joseph what he has to to go through in his mind and and you see what he deals with at this time um, seriously contemplating divorce, putting her away, giving her a bill of divorcement, although they they we wouldn't have considered them to be married at that time. In, in our culture and things, but here he is dealing with this. And then the angel of the Lord in a dream comes to Joseph and instructed him that that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, this was in a dream. He didn't have the Word of God that that it said a message from God that he could sit down and, wait a minute, this is too much for me. Let me, let me just, this is God saying what is happening in Mary is of God and of the whole. This was a dream that was there and gone. Did that really happen? Do I really believe that? Am, am I going to stake my whole reputation on this, what I just heard, and what Mary told me? And so we find Mary and Joseph in the throes of decisions that really come down ultimately to this question. Am I going to trust God? And that's ultimately what faith is. It's a question of, am I going to trust God? And in Mary and Joseph's situation, the faith that they manifested You think of the faith of Mary in Luke chapter 1 and verse 28. The angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Although there were all these fears... She ended up believing the messenger of the Lord. Verse 34 of Luke 1, Mary said, How shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. How can this be? I am with child. I've, I've never had relations with a man. How can this? I mean, think of this that's going on in her life and in her body And in her mind, and the angel said, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. And the power of the highest shall overshadow you. And the thing that is performed in you shall be called, that which is born in you shall be called the Son of God. And the faith of Mary... In verse 38 of Luke 1, verse 37, the angel said, For with God nothing shall be impossible. And the faith of Mary that said, In essence, here I am, Lord. I am willing to be your servant. Do unto me according to your word. That is a testimony of faith. I mean, at this time, she hasn't even, at this time in Luke 1, hasn't even brought Joseph into this. What am I going to tell Joseph? Will Joseph believe me? Will Joseph submit me to to divorcement? What will his response be? 
But the step of faith of Mary pushing through all these fears to say, Lord, I am your servant. You do to me according to your word. What a trust in God. That Mary had to deal with all these fears to trust God. But then you think of the faith of Joseph. I mean, this week as I was thinking on this again, I thought, my goodness. I mean, you try to put yourself in that situation. And as we've already alluded to, I'm not going to go back and reiterate it, but okay, I don't want to make a public issue of this. I I love her. I don't want her to be stoned. I don't want her to be killed. I'll I'll just privately give her a writing of divorcement and pick up the pieces and go on. This is what he's considering. And then the angel of the Lord appears to him as we mentioned. And Joseph responds in a great, great testimony of faith. See, it's easier to trust God when it involves something that will benefit us. But Joseph had nothing that he was going to gain out of this. There was, there was nothing he... Mary, to a certain degree, was gaining things. She forever is known as the mother of Jesus. Joseph, on the other hand, had every human reason to distance himself from this and to wash his hands and go on his way, but he didn't. The angel of the Lord said, That which is done of her, in her, is so that it will be a fulfillment of the prophecy, and then quotes Isaiah 7:14. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And then in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 24, then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. And he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. He did as the angel of the Lord. Think about it. Joseph then is in his carpenter shop and one of his buddies comes in and says, How's it going, Joseph? Good, good. How's Mary? She's doing fine. 
Joseph, I've I've heard some some troubling reports about Mary. Really? I mean, think about it. This is real life stuff. I mean, it isn't like Mary just went into I mean, people then are like people now even without Facebook, okay? It just took a little longer for information to get out, all right? Or Snapchat or Instagram or whatever, all right? Can you imagine all the tongues that are wagging about Joseph and Mary? What an idiot. He doesn't even know who the father of that is. For all he knows, it could be a Roman soldier. Very possible a a Roman... um, Encampment was just miles away from where they lived. He he doesn't even he thinks he knows Mary. He doesn't even know Mary. And in most probable cases, nobody came to him. They just talked about it and he heard about it. But Joseph said, if this is what God said. then I'll do it. And he raised from sleep, and he did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. Joseph had to deal with his pride and confusion. I can't make any sense of this. This is not how I would think the Messiah was coming. And how am I thrust into this? I just, I, I just wanted to live my life and, and be a carpenter and have a wife and raise a family and, and everything is thrown up in the air and turned upside down and, And yet, they trusted God. Genuine faith has a number of characteristics, and I just want to mention four of them this morning. Genuine faith believes God. And and it is, we hear a lot about faith. You go into all the, um, you go into all the decorative places, home interior things, you know, and you see all these little plaques, faith and love and hope. And, and people talk about faith, if it weren't for my faith. Well, it's not faith in and of itself that is important. It is faith in God. Faith in anything else will fail you. Completely fail you. It is faith alone in God. And it is important that that we understand that, but faith believes God. God said to Mary, this is what's happening, and And she believed God. 
And God said to Joseph, this is what's happening, and this is what I need you to do. And he put away his plans, and he believed God. In order to believe God, you must know the character of God. We struggle believing God because we don't really know God. How many of you have thought something along this line? If I submit to God, He's going to make me do something I won't like doing. How many of you? I can't believe not every hand went up. Either some of you never think or I don't... I thought, I thought, I wrestled with this in my life. Man, if I, if I say yes to God, I'm going to be miserable the rest of my life. You know what that shows? That shows that I had a flawed view of God. No one loves me or no one loves you more than God. And it's not like God's walking around. Let's see. Let's see here. What would make Elliot miserable all... Oh, yeah, yeah, that would make Elliot miserable. Okay, that's going to be my will for Elliot. Let's see if he'll submit to it. (laughs) That is our view of God many times. That is... God made Elliot. He designed Elliot. He equipped Elliot for special purposes that, that... God made for him to fulfill. And he says, so I want to put a round peg in a round hole. We say, I don't like round holes. God said, I will put you what you were specifically created for, doing what I want you to do. And you will never, ever be more fulfilled doing anything else. But do you understand, that comes by knowing the character of God. And how do you know the character of God? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So the more I read the Word of God, the more I come to know the heart of God. And I read about Joseph and Mary, and I think, man, God had a perfect plan for Joseph and Mary. And they said yes, and look at this. Look what God, what a wonderful God. And that's my father. And you read about Daniel, and you read about Noah, and you read about Peter, and you read about all these. And and it's, you start seeing, and not only that, You read what the Bible tells us about God himself. He is a merciful God. His mercies extend to every generation. And you start learning about God and you think, why wouldn't I trust him? But if I don't saturate in the word, if I don't learn his character, I'm going to have a difficult time trusting him. So, The first characteristic that we want to mention is genuine faith believes God. And genuine faith obeys God. True faith always results in obedience. 
You know, I, I believe many times we come to God and we say, God, I want to know your will. Show me your will. Show me your will. And what we're hoping is that God's will is the same as our will, and we can say, yes, I've got God's blessing on what I want to do. But when we truly come to God with the desire, God, I believe you, I'm trusting you, be it unto me as a servant of the Lord, and God tells us to do something, true faith obeys. Even when in the midst of confusion, as Joseph would say, God, I don't get this, but this is what you said to do. And and you think about it. it. It just says here that Joseph went and he did not have physical relations with his wife till she brought forth her firstborn son. Joseph went and he cared for his wife. He loved his wife. He cherished his wife. He fulfilled what God told him to do, even in the midst of the difficulty. And genuine faith obeys. We've just gone through James. Faith that does not have works was not faith. If you believe God and God says to do it, it's not, yeah, Lord, I believe you. No, it will, it will be manifested. I believe God and I'm showing that I believe God by the fact that I am obeying Him. An interesting verse to me is found in Luke chapter 18 and verse 8. He's talking about prayer and faith and he says, Nevertheless, when I come, will I find faith on the earth? And I'm thinking, well, sure he'll find faith on the earth. But he's saying, in essence, when I come, will I find genuine faith on the earth? Or will I find a lot of demonic faith? Meaning, the devil believes and trembles, James tells us. But he doesn't obey. A lot of times, yeah, I believe that. I believe that. I believe that this is what you ought to do. But genuine faith obeys. And in each case, Mary and Joseph, they did as the angel of the Lord commanded them to do. Then thirdly, genuine faith waits on God. Genuine faith waits on God. Think of that. Let, let's just say that we don't know the time frame, but for sake of illustration, let's just say Mary was three months pregnant when Joseph found out about it. And so he took her as his wife, and during that six months, can you imagine, you know, we're, we're there, we live there, the nagging doubts that there might be. Was this really the right thing to do? I mean, and, and maybe he confides with a very close friend. And sometimes you got to be very careful of very close friends. And maybe the very close friend says, Joseph, I think you made a major mistake. There will be people that think when you obey God, you're making a major mistake. 
how do you think we're going to make it on 90% of our income when we're not making it on 100? You are nuts. Or whatever the thing is. And yet, you obey and you wait on God. And we're familiar with the verse, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. But it's hard to wait, isn't it? You obey. We want to obey and pow, see immediate results. Wow, look at that. But you obey and in many cases you don't see immediate results. And it's easy to step back and question and think, I don't know if that paid off. Psalm 27 and verse 14 says, wait on the Lord. Well, verse 13 says, I would have fainted if I did not believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then he says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. And he knows how hard it is for us to wait, so he repeated it in that verse. He closed the verse by saying, wait, I say again, on the Lord. When you obey, you in most cases, we'll not see immediate results. Again, going back to James, he alluded to it. The farmer plants a seed and he has long patience to wait for the rains to come and the sun and the heat. And he waits for the fruit. I don't know how many times I've had people tell me, well, I've tried that and it didn't work for me. I've literally had people say, I gave God one year, and he didn't change things, so I'm done with it. I mean, who are we giving God any orders? And I'll tell you what, their life is a disaster from it. But to genuine faith believes God, genuine faith obeys God, genuine faith waits on God, doesn't try to manipulate things, and genuine faith will be rewarded by God. Who are two primary characters of the Christmas account? Mary and Joseph. Went through some really dark days But they said, no, if this is what God said, I'm clinging to that. And six months later or whatever later, I mean, they have shepherds coming to them. I mean, think of of the doubts that they could have had. Making the journey to Bethlehem. This isn't all it's cracked up to be. We, We didn't even go into to um, Joseph's faith of when he was instructed to flee to Egypt. I mean, that was quite a journey, and they didn't get on a, a bullet train. They didn't get on an airplane. They didn't get in a car. 
Most instances, it says that they walk this way. So he, he comes in and he says, Mary, I got some good news. God spoke to me. Really? What did he say? He said, we need to get ready and leave now and go to Egypt. How would you like to be that wife? This, this baby's not even two years old. You have lost your mind, Joseph. There's no way I'm going. We're just setting up home here now. Then, and why did they have to go? Because Herod was going to kill everybody two years old and under. Then the faith of Joseph, when he's in Egypt later, the Lord says, now I want you to go back. Herod is gone, but his brother's ruling in his place. Oh, yeah, I'm ready to go. I mean, honestly, if you knew this guy was wanting to kill you and now his brother's in ruling in his place, would you say, oh, no problem, I'm good to go? But he obeyed the Lord. And he waited on God and God rewarded him. Faith in God will always be rewarded. And there may be dark days and there may be valleys, but faith in God will always be rewarded. So let me just quickly ask, what about your faith? Number one, is it in God? I mean... Has there been, you weren't born in God. You were born apart from God. You were born in sin. There has to be a time where you place your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. And then you need to keep having your faith in God. But first of all, I ask, has there been a definitive time that you turned from your sin and turned to God for the forgiveness of sin. If not, that would make this the greatest Christmas ever of your life to receive the greatest gift ever given. If you're here today and you say, I've trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sin, are you trusting Him today? Is your faith in God? And so secondly, I ask, okay, how well do you know him? How much do you really know God? We don't read the Bible just to check off our daily Bible reading. We read the Bible to know God, and in knowing God, my faith will be strengthened. I can trust this God. Thirdly, I ask, what step of obedience do you need to take? What is, is there something in your life? That God's brought you to this, and now it's a matter of, are you going to obey or not? Well, you don't know how hard this is. You don't know what they did to me. You don't. God knows. Am I going to obey God? Is there a point? And I honestly believe that an overwhelming number of Christians today have come to a point that their growth is stymied because they came to a point where they said, I'm not going to obey that. And so then they just go through the motions, and they sing, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. 
Are we going to sing all four of these verses? We already sang it last week. We'll probably sing it next week. There is no joy. Why? You can't have joy when you're a disobedient son. You know, when I knew I'd done wrong, I didn't come popping in the house. Hey, Dad, how's it going? Man, I was hiding out. I didn't come home till I had to come home. What is the point? And to ask yourself, God, show me. Because we can be so blinded to ourselves. Show me where I need to take a step of obedience. And maybe you're right now in a period of waiting. Don't be weary in that. Are you now? Recognize it. Okay, Lord, you put me here. I'm just waiting on you. Show me what you want me to do. But I am content. And then I ask, do you live with the confidence that your faith is not in vain? I mean, the only way you're going to get that confidence is through saturating in the Word and to know. I mean, there are times bad things happen to good people and your faith can really be shaken and you need to say, you know what? I know it's going to be worth it all when I see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when I see Him. And do we live with that confidence that faith in God will be rewarded. Heavenly Father, thank you for the faith that was manifested in Joseph and Mary's lives. And Lord, I pray that we would learn that it is so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take you at your word. And Lord, I pray if there is one here today that has never called upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, I pray today before they leave that they would do that. And then, Lord, I pray for everyone here that is a believer. I pray that we would come to know your character so deeply that we would obey as Joseph and Mary. And Lord, I pray for those that may be even today in a period of waiting. Lord, help them not to be weary. Help their faith to be renewed day by day. And Lord, I pray that every one of us walking in faith would live with a confidence that it will be rewarded. It will be worth it all because of who you are. So Lord, may your spirit do a work in our hearts. For your glory we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.